Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I'm Mikey. And I feel like your lead up to that gets longer every time. Uh, well, we're watching longer episodes. Oh, sure. So to... We're watching longer episodes. Do you feel good about that sentence? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't think we are? <laughs> All right. So we just got finished watching The Elephant Man, a 1980 film, right? Uh, um, a 1980 what? Film. Oh, okay. Um, directed by David Lynch, obviously. Written by... Christopher DeVore, Eric Bergren, Bergren, Bergren. Looks like it. And I'm David not Lynch. Familiar with him. And then there's like produced by Mel Brooks Production Company. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> Mel. It's this is the first film in the Brooks film catalog. Oh, so is he, it? Like Mel Brooks was starting a new company. Oh, and he kicked. Off I, I saw a video recently, and we can link it here. It was on YouTube. A, I saw a video of. Mel Brooks describing the first time he met David Lynch, and Mel, I love Mel Brooks. Oh my Mel God. Brooks has is just like the purest. Yeah, he's I, a good I one. love Mel Brooks, and the fact that like for years I was a big David Lynch fan, I was a big Mel Brooks fan, and had no idea that these things overlap. Sure, um, and that like yeah, in that Mel Brooks was influential in getting like Mel Brooks to the masses, right? Like. If he David Lynch to the masses, yeah, yeah. What did I say? He's Mel Brooks to the masses. Well, he did that too. Sure, like a lot of people, inarguably. Know <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he put David Lynch out there in a place where he could be accessible. Because if he only did works like David Lynch for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. or if David Lynch only did works like Eraserhead for the rest of his life, like I don't, I don't know if any of this would exist. Sure. Um. You know, Twin uh, Twin Peaks wouldn't exist. I'm sure. Like the he had to be he had to break into the mainstream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and And then destroy it with Dune. Well, obviously. (laughs) But yeah, we um we made a a pizza after we watched it. So while I was cooking, uh, we were watching some of the. Sorry, that's what I was saying. I the video I had watched. There was a there was one where Mel Brooks talked about meeting David Lynch, and then there was another one where he also repeated in... So I have the Criterion Collection, Elephant Man, which has some supplement stuff. (laughs) Sort of. Um, It's a great edition, and I think the only edition available on Blu-ray. But there's some supplements where he tells a story about getting the role, and it's almost verbatim this other interview that I had seen elsewhere. Like, it's David Lynch telling the story. What David Lynch mentions in um, the... In the interview that I saw, though, was that he ha- was approached by Stuart Kornfeld, who was a producer. He was he he was executive pro- producer on this project, mm-hmm. and was basically one of the first people hired um, by Mel Brooks or whatever. And 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 Stuart Kornfeld called David Lynch to, hey, we have projects. We know you're looking to do, mm-hmm. you know, whatever called lynch wasn't home and lynch's wife at the time was and so she said you got a message from Stuart cornfeld and apparently like david lynch just said he was walking around for the next day going Stuart cornfeld like because he just liked the name and that's why he called him back <laughs> and so he called back producer Stuart cornfeld and then he tells his story about how there were he's he, like he had- yeah i've got four projects that you can do because Lynch decided I don't want to write my next project because he was shopping around Ronnie Rocket, which is still like his baby. That's mm-hmm. 
likely never going to get made unless that's what this project is that sure. everyone's hyped up, which would be amazing. Because <laughs> he's been... Like, we joked about that. We talked about how the end of season three is such a beautiful send-off for David Lynch to end his film career on. Mm -hmm. The only thing to come back for might be Ronnie Rocket. This baby he's been trying to birth since the 70s. But since Twin Peaks, he did that short film. So it's not like he's... Sure, retired. that's true. And And obviously feature films are different, like, all things considered, but... That's true. But yeah, I, I am curious to see what, what this, is going whatever, Yeah, whatever this project honestly, is. Honestly, part of me suspects, as seems to happen with many people who feel like they're supposed to retire because they are of an age, mm-hmm. but then start to do it and are like, oh, fuck this. I hate this mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I mean, this is pure conjecture, but I wonder if David Lynch's intention was like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, season three, and then that's going to be the end of my, like, this is how I'm going to go out. And then finished that and was like, actually, I do love making movies. Well, what's interesting is that, like, people retire from their jobs and then they take up hobbies like painting and... Photography. Yeah, like what... Gardening. His hobbies. What do you do do if you retire from that? Right. Like, unless he's like, I'm going to start doing a lot more physical art, like art pieces. Like painting and mixed media and, and you know, the 3D sculpting and stuff like that. If he's going to do more of that, cool. Mm-hmm. That's fine, too, you know. But, like, it's just one of those, like, what, you're, what are you going <laughs> to, like, are you going to, like, ah, I'm retiring from filmmaking. I'll get a nine-to-five office job Right, now, exactly. You know? It's just wild. Um, Honestly, if I retired, I would do it exactly how John Stewart did and just buy a big farm and making an animal rescue and just hang out in a farm with some <laughs> animals I saved. Yeah. Dream job. John Stewart's a good one. Yeah, um, he is. But yeah, so we, we got distracted a few times, but that's when <laughs> no he, kidding. he tells his story about how he was given, he, the Stuart Kornfeld said, yes, we have projects for you to potentially do. I've got four ideas that, you know, they're written scripts that need a director. That might I be, specifically Yeah, want. I think yeah. you would be you would be interested in potentially let's meet tomorrow at lunch or whatever. I'll present you those movies. He said, great, cool. So they meet and he's like, the first one is a movie called The Elephant Man. And the way David Lynch explains it, a bomb went off in his head and he was Didn't even refused, hear the rest of refused to listen to what the next three were. Elephant Man, that's the movie I want to do. And then it took off from Aren't there. Aren't you dying and to then, know what the other three projects are? And, yo, absolutely. And then it became... Okay, cool. You're on board. We've got a little producer crew. We just have to introduce you to Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. And Mel Brooks says, cool. Who's this David Lynch guy? I don't know him. He made a film a couple years ago called Eraserhead. We'll give you a screening. And as David Lynch put it, it's been nice knowing you guys, <laughs> which I think is delightful. Like, that's one of my favorite He's things. He's very of, aware of how yeah. his heart hits. Yeah. I He doesn't pretend, like, there's not this, like, oh, well, you're probably just not smart enough for my art. He knows it's fucking batshit. Yeah, yeah. He knows most people don't understand it, and that's fine. Yeah. And so, like, when he's like, oh, well, you're going to base whether or not I can direct Elephant Man on having watched Eraserhead for the first time. I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, there's no way I'm getting this in, like, a pseudo It's not a traditionally narrative. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, he knows that. And I. that's what I love about him. He just makes his art 
to make art. Yeah. It isn't about trying to like talk down to people. Right. It isn't, there's no pretension in it, but there's also no like. Well, he's not holding your hand. He's yeah. just presenting a thing to you and you Take can it do with it. it with what you want. And yeah. which I think is a, uh, arguably a, the best way to make it's art. It's incredibly or noble. the only way yeah. to make like it's true. Yeah. Uh, that's, I don't want to pretend. Mean, but yeah, but, but that's, that is, I think I, I understand your apprehension of saying true art, but like, that is true art. Otherwise, it's just capitalism. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if you're like, well, I'm trying to make this art piece, it's not exactly how I would do it normally because we got to make sure we have a market for it. So if I tweak this and make this character a woman yeah. or oh, make this character, all of a sudden that's not true art. It's capitalism. God, oh, man. I feel like this could be a very long uh, conversation because even just that example, you, I don't know. I guess it's impossible to differentiate what major directors, screenwriters, things like that are changing for producers versus Mm -hmm. like this is how they really wanted it to do. Because I don't know. I I feel like the. I mean, so much of it just comes down to final cut. Who does he have final cut? Who has final cut? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. And and typically that's a. But art isn't necessarily a solo pursuit. It's frequently. Like filmmaking, it is like precisely not a an individualized pursuit. Sure, it's the actors and the crew at the behest of the director. Sorry, our, I went to my friend's house with the dog today, and it's her best friend, and they like ran each other ragged. So she's been napping for four hours, and she's awake now. Good timing, as per usual, <laughs> Dottie. Um, okay, let's uh, let's dive into this movie a little bit. Um, you, you don't want to argue about what's art anymore. <laughs> no, I just do not feel like I. Thanks for putting a put a, yeah, a, a little really... chapter break move on mark, Dottie. That was helpful. Appreciate it. Um, so just for um, context, um, it was a huge success. The Elfham Inn was critically, commercially, um, mm-hmm. it had eight Oscar noms: uh, best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, best actor. I don't know the other one. Was that Hopkins or Hurt? Also, Anne Bancroft being in this is a direct Mel Brooks connection. Oh, is that Anne Bancroft? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, hold on. Accolades, best picture, John Hurt. Oh, okay. So. I was like, because that could very easily go. They're, they both turned in an incredible performance. Yes, yes, I absolutely agree. So. Um, and John Hurt's incredible, and obviously Anthony Hopkins goes on to be Anthony Hopkins. Uh, so it tied with Raging Bull at the Academy Awards with the most nominations. Okay. Uh, 53rd Annual Awards, Best Picture, Actor, John Hurt, Art art Direction, Set Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Director, Best Film Editing, Original Score, and Writing, uh, Adapted Screenplay. Hmm. Um, didn't win any. And, and that's what Raging... That, that's just what... Elephant Man got, right? You're not, yes, okay. I'm sorry. That got, was Elephant gotcha, Man. Gotcha. And El- Raging Bull also got eight, eight nods. Probably the same basic categories right interestingly there was some blowback because the uh, makeup effects team did not get an Oscar nomination <laughs> really? which is bananas. really and the that I wonder if the- oh I'm sorry no 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 excuse me that was <clears throat> incorrect because there wasn't a makeup category okay I'm gonna read just straight from okay, Wikipedia so, wait, so what 
makeup didn't exist as an award. People in the industry were appalled that the film was not going to be honored for its makeup effects when the Oscars announced its nominations at the time. A letter of protest was sent to the Academy's Board of Governors requesting to give the film an honorary award. The Academy refused, but in response to the outcry, they decided to give the makeup artists their own category. Um, So the next year was introduced, and American Werewolf in London was its first recipient. Interesting. I did not know that. That I didn't either. Uh Um, Yeah. Yeah, and it was a BAFTA winner. That's 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 wild, and and the prostheses are incredible. It it's like it's you can tell it's you know makeup or whatever, but like latex. But what they do an incredible job of is hiding all the seams, so you can still see his eyes, and you don't see like that's exactly what I was gonna like because you like, can't go into the eyes, and you still got enough mouth movement mm-hmm. that like you're seeing like a that jagged tooth and yeah. stuff. But he can move it, and it doesn't look hindered. I mean, it looks hindered, but it looks like it's supposed to be hindered. Like, it well, looks like yeah. his face is it heavily do, It doesn't, so yeah. Like, there's still movement, <laughs> facial movement within that latex, and it's incredible. Right. For 1980, especially. Yeah. Um, and... But apparently the Oscars had a thing for black and white movies at that point, huh? It was Raging Bull, <laughs> Raging Bull black and white. Raging Bull, black and white, too. Um, I also want to say just... From my point of view, I've read the play Elephant Man. Yep. Um, which was, I think, adapted from the same source material. Yeah, it's a, a book by... Um, the Doctor. Uh, what's this called? Yeah. Uh, uh, Tre- Trevs. Traves. 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 Never T-R-E-V-E-S. Frederick. Frederick? Right? Treves. Traves or Treves? Oh, I don't know. You just watched the movie. Shit, I don't remember. Because I always forget. Frederick. Yeah. We have to just make a call. I think it's Traves. Traves. Yeah, I think so. Traves. I think that's how they say it. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, the play <laughs> was longstanding on, on the West End in London, a huge staple of their theater scene. Mm-hmm. Famously, David Bowie played um, the part of, of John Merrick, whose actual name... <laughs> Joseph was Joseph Merrick, yeah. and and I was I was doing some supplemental research while while Mikey was cooking dinner for us, aka <laughs> making a tombstone pizza. <laughs> um, Sleep and they that. don't know why it got changed to John. Jo- uh, Joseph Merrick always signed his name as Joseph. A few of his handwriting samples have survived, huh. and there are even in- instances where Traves crossed out Joseph <laughs> and wrote John in, like. Where, like, quote unquote, correcting it. So I don't know what that's about. It seems it's lost to history. Huh. And because um, Justin Merrick had a brother whose name was John in real life. Huh. Yeah. It's very odd and it's just one of those lost to history things. Yeah. I, didn't, I just assumed somebody got something wrong at one point. And I mean, it's my. It's, it's like my grandfather who. Oh, who did his birthday? <laughs> his birthday was May 3rd. Um, Actually, I, I happy birthday, Grandpa. Miss, I, I mixed, I mix up which way it is. No, it was. We always thought his birthday was May fifth, and we okay. celebrated his birthday on May fifth, his entire life. And then when he was getting older, and he was being put into a nursing home, and they actually like pulled out legitimate documentation so they could like admit him. Yeah. They said, "Oh well, I noticed you wrote down May fifth on his birthday, but the certificate here says May third. Like birth certificate? I think so. Wow." And they were like, is what's going on there? What's the discrepancy? And we were like, I don't know. Unclear. So either there's a typo on his birth certificate, which isn't unheard of. Oh, God, easily. Or we've just, somebody at some point got it wrong and we just went with it. 
I hope it's the latter. That like, is somebody. I know it's somewhere around here. Like, oh, well, let's call it the thing because that's on a weekend. Or, yeah, like, you know like, what I mean? We're going to celebrate on May 5th in the next year. Like, oh, Grandpa's yeah. May 5th. And then it just stuck. But so yeah. Funny. So. Or when he was a kid, his mom forgot or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Like, and it could anything be anything. But happened. for his entire life, as far as any of us have ever known, his birthday was two, day, two days off. That's so funny. Okay. Um, so anyway, the, this was a. a um, so his real name is Joseph. We'll be referring to him as John throughout because that's his character's name, I guess. Um, in the uh, in the West End, a, I think it's a really important, an interesting slash important factoid that any play that is based on Merrick's life, mm-hmm. any play about the Elephant Man, they I don't know if they request or if it's a legal thing, they ask not to do makeup, not to do costuming that makes him look like the elephant man everything he has to do is like he just physically contort like the actor just physically contorts himself in only in the theatrical production interesting so like david bowie never put on full merrick makeup he just would like you know why do you know um you know what i did at one point i think it just had to do with like respecting Merrick as a human right. and not as like the, I think it came from we don't want to turn this into another circus. That's but that's what's kind of the beauty of like this film is that the prostheses are so elaborate yeah. that it's almost beautiful that you're watching this and a little way through you just forget. You know oh, what I totally. mean? You st- like that's the that's a beautiful thing about this. Um and he is shockingly disfigured. Yes. It isn't like when you watch like Deadpool or something like that. Oh, yeah, and he's, he's supposed to be like, like oh my stars. God. And it's like, dude, you, you're you burned, but like you, you're you still fucking hot, dude. Right. You, you're, you're Ryan fucking Reynolds. Right, like right. you're not, you're not, dis, you're not horrific where people are gasping in the street. Right. That would happen if a man looked like this, totally. you know? Um. Yeah. I, I don't have a reason. It just says yeah. the play calls for no prosthetic makeup on the actor portraying Merrick. The actor portrays Merrick's deformity using physicality, letting the audience imagine Merrick's Interesting. Appearance. I don't. I. I like. I, I, I love it. I like that being a choice. Would you like? I'm surprised it's it's at the you know request of the family or whatever. Would you? Yeah, I, I don't know if it is or not. It oh, I thought that's what you said. No, if anything, it would be the writers because this play wasn't written until. Much I thought later. you said any. I thought you said the family said that any production of this show no, the, has to have that. The play calls for it, like in the script. Oh, when you get the, the script, writer it says, got it, got it. Merrick got it. should not be portrayed through. Interesting. Okay. Hideous makeup. That makes sense. Um, on the play, the uh, David Bowie said played a Mark Hamill also took a turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley Cooper. And then two people I've never heard of, Philip Anglim and Bruce Davidson. Apparently, those are the notable people. I don't know who those last two Bruce boys are. Davidson, I know. I and I can't it. place him at the moment. Um, um, Willard. X-Men. Oh, he's Sen- oh, yes. Senator Rob Kelly. Yes, yes. He's yes, like a character of, actor. Yes, yeah. I like him. This um, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a guy who I don't know if it was the same do, do they ever have a name for it whatever for, um so they don't uh, they don't really know what it was they have some ideas but it's really yeah. un, it's really unknown yeah. as to what's going on and it uh, he grew up fairly sorry this is just my lit major coming out he grew up fairly normally until about the age of five and he started developing these mm. things and the tumors that he had started in his body 
continue to grow throughout yeah, his yeah, lifetime. Yeah. So that's when I, I don't think they really showed that his health was deteriorating in this, but they mentioned it a couple times. Sure. Um, but it's because of that it was just hindering everything yeah, and, as, as the tumors yeah. grew. Um, there was there was a guy with a similar look. I, I don't know if it was the same, you know, ailment or whatever. Um, but was a regular when I used to work at Geno's. Oh, really? Uh, he always came in, sat in the carryout section, which was like the lunch specials yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful and proud to say everyone we worked with treated him very, very well. Like it was never a thing. I, I know there's a few people who like actually sat and talked with him about like, what's it like? What, I, yeah. Like, like in a way that's respectful and everything like that. But like. You absolutely see it. Like, it was one of those that, like, you see people looking and whispering mm-hmm. on, the, you know. And, you know, I would see them in there. And it, like this movie, like I mentioned earlier, like, you just forget. Yeah. Like, it doesn't take, like, I, I understand that, yes, it, it's shocking at first because you're not used to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, but once you get to know, even, I don't, and I didn't get to know him. I didn't ever right. really sit and chat with him he wasn't in like a a waiting table section it was like the carry out where you go to a counter and then sit down but like he you just get used to it mm-hmm. really easily and that's you know obviously the message of all of this is that people aren't all that fucking different you right. know racism sexism all these whatever whatever the thing is like people are people right. and that's fine but um i just remember that being an interesting thing is that there was somebody who Sim like a big, like a tumor. Yeah, like a growth. Yeah, I don't know what the word it like a. I don't know, but yeah, like a very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're going to jump into the plot. Uh, so we start with some. Uh, some <laughs> floating heads in space. Oh, Natch. You know, because it is David Lynch, uh-huh. so we got to start with some floating heads in space. Um, so this just jumps in right when, like, Traves finds him. Is there anything you want to say about the very beginning? Yeah, I mean, the cold open is uh, some of the most Lynch stuff. Yeah, Excuse the me. elephants. You get, you get the elephants, you get the woman getting knocked down, you get the over-cranked image, or, so she's blurring as she, you know... Mm-hmm. Goes back and forth. Um, do you know what? The, or undercranked, I should say. But um, do do I know what? Do you happen to know what the? Uh, I mean, obviously he's called the Elephant Man. Do you know what that scene was? I think supposed to be. Oh well, they talk about it. Did they? Yeah, how she, the mother got knocked down when she was four months pregnant by an elephant. Oh, they did say that. Um, so in Victorian era, people thought that. Um, physical birth defects and anything that's wrong with your baby is a result of something the mother saw. So it was oh. really common if, um, you know, a kid came out looking weird in some way, abnormal in some way, they're like, oh, well, the mom saw a rabbit during a thing and that's why he's got a cleft palate or a hair lip. <laughs> like, things like that. And so it, I, I've always thought it was really interesting that the reason he's the elephant man is because that story, it's because he clearly doesn't look like an elephant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, the, that was a, a very strong uh, view in Victorian times is, yeah, yeah anything you I see mean, while you're pregnant or if you're afraid a lot while you're pregnant, you're going to have a fearful child. Um, things like that. Victorian, uh, like, 
nineteenth century. I mean, it was all just like medicine is my favorite. It's just a a wild theory, and it's like ah, until it gets proven wrong, sure, oh, yeah. let's go with it. Like Sawbones is one of my favorite podcasts, yeah. and it's full of shit like this. Um, okay, go do cocaine about it. You'll be fine. Yes. You know. <laughs> God, I wish I was depressed in the Victorian era because I would have just gotten a vibrator and a bunch of Coke. Come on. Can I have Coke? I already have a vibrator. Can I have a Coke? A Coke? And One Coke, Coke please. One Coke, please. What were we watching that somebody said an ounce of Coke? And I looked at you. I was like, how much is that? And you're like, oh, I don't know. What were we? I have no idea. We were watching somebody and someone's like, he brought in an ounce of Coke. I'm like, is that a lot or a lot? Are, are you sure that was me? No. Huh. Am I ever sure of anything? Nope. Nope. Okay, so, anyway. So, uh, Traves, uh, Frederick Traves, he's a surgeon at the London Hospital. Um, he finds Joseph John Merrick. Um, he's in a freak show. That's it, well, and you're introduced to him as he's <laughs> coughing over an open body cavity. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just like, like, literally has the man's chest open and he's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Just it's great. no mask, no it's nothing, and, and I, I that's on purpose. That's right. to show how poor, you know, how poorly trained or whatever surgeons were at that time. And they're just like pulling on his legs with rope. There's a guy squirting him with something. I don't know what. So this also took place in the uh, what was called the heroic era of medicine. Okay, does that sound promising to you? <laughs> <laughs> the heroic era era of medicine was basically. Anything you do is better than doing nothing. Okay. And so it'd be like, I don't know, this guy might have like a weird growth on his chest. It's like, open him the fuck up and dig that shit out. And then everybody died of infections. (laughs) But it was just like, we gotta do something, gang. The one thing I did like that I thought was interesting is how they gave him his anesthesia. Because obviously you can't pump in nitrous or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they they had like a little, look like a surgical mask. Mm -hmm. Cup cupped his mouth and nose mm-hmm. and then dropped something ether. into it was it ether mm-hmm. okay and they breathe and then, it in yeah and then that just soaks into the rag so it does they don't ingest it but mm-hmm. they breathe it directly mm-hmm. and it's just like oh yeah that makes sense yeah like yeah genuinely. but like at least that makes sense i get how that like oh, to- would knock somebody out and it is a clear lineation from that to what we have now yeah and like it makes sense how he got there instead of like well he made him swallow lithium and (laughs) right (laughs) Um, got him real drunk (laughs) i mean that is what they used to do obviously um so uh merrick is in a a victorian uh freak show um he's kept by mr bites um who is his kind of ringmaster who has an equally terrible son um, he is kept hooded. Merrick is not Mr. Mm-hmm. Bites or the son. Um, he's kept hooded with like that very, and based on exactly what John Merrick actually wore, this like really iconic head covering. Yeah, it's like a just a big bag. A big basically. bag with like a rectangular hole Single for his stick. one eye, yeah. and like a faux hat kind of stitched to the top, which is my favorite part of yeah. like this will make him blend right in. <laughs> just put a little. Is cap it? On I, there. I didn't realize it was stitched to the top. I mean, was I think it, it was. I, it? I think it was all. All one piece. Oh, okay. I don't think it's like the bag and then yeah. the hat. From what I can, because uh, they, yes, that's how it was. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a great look. But it's the whole thing. This part of it is just shooting it in black and white, and where they shot the locations that they used. I, 
it obviously doesn't look like it's, you know, was shot in Victorian times. I would have never guessed this is 1980. But if you didn't recognize it like Anthony Hopkins, I know, and mm-hmm. obviously John Hurd is not recognizable. Right. Um, but this absolutely feels like it was made in the 50s. Oh, absolutely. And it, just a credit to all the production designers, the cinematographer, everything just looks so, the, what I love too is, and this par- is partially just David Lynch, is the ambient gas noise. That's prominent throughout the whole he thing because he loves that. He sound. loves that, but like but this time rushing. there's actually like there. This time it's actually tethered to something that's there because mm. everything is on gas lines to light up the. Oh, th- so every room that the, every interior has that like yeah gas flowing sound that is lighting all the lamps. And I guess on the streets probably too. But sure, like, I never it, thought about it's that. It's one of the few where like he does just ethereal noises to mm-hmm. create mood and feeling and stuff, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a staple of who who David Lynch is mm-hmm. as a filmmaker. But this is one of the few times where you can actually tether it to a location. Oh, it's it sounds like the gas lines. It's mm-hmm. and and it's louder when you can see them. It's mm-hmm. quieter when you move in for a close up. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. So Traves pays uh, Bites to bring Merrick to the hospital so he can present Merrick uh, to a bunch of his colleagues. Mm-hmm. He wants to point out just all of these deformities. It's nothing anybody's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So it's an, And he com- goes from like a circus curiosity to sort of a scientific curiosity. So it's upward step, but it's definitely a lateral well, move. And, but then it even brings it back later in the movie that mm-hmm. becomes a thing. Oh shit, yeah. am I the same yeah. as this? Which I loved. I love I loved it. the I, journey he takes. Yeah, absolutely. But when they bring him in and when they, the kid brings him in and he brings him in the counter and he's wearing the, the mask, the I gotta believe this is intentional, but the way the mask is draped and hangs and the lighting that they used that first, when you first see him walking into the room, it absolutely looks like an elephant's trunk. Really? It's an incredible, like, and the eye, the, the eye hole is in the right spot. It absolutely looks like an elephant's trunk to me. Like, it just jumps out as being, Interesting. this man looks like an elephant with this hood on, but doesn't when he takes it off, which I, I, I found fascinating. And maybe I'm, you know, that's pareidolia in yeah, some way. Right. But absolutely looks like an, an elephant's trunk to me. We, we can see if we can find. Yeah, I don't even know how to begin. An image. To... If you want to keep going, I'll I'll try to look for uh, that scene. Um. So we find out now, uh, which is something that we're gonna hear about later. Uh, his head is so big; it's so physically large that he has to sleep with his head on the head on his knees, or we see him like propped up a few times. Um, because he, his head's so le- heavy, if he lied down, he would asphy- asphyxiate. Mm-hmm. Um, Merrick is returned to his, and they kind of play with like owner v handler v caretaker. Like they're this. Sorry, I'm interrupting you, but I'll try to find a better one. But this is the idea. Oh, totally! Like it's just a big swoop across the front yeah. of his face. I can see that. Um. Um. Well, we'll obviously link it in the notes. Um. Merrick is returned to his bites person and he's just beaten half to death um horribly beaten um so bites calls traves and is like oh no he fell and got punched in the face so many times on the way down there there's a great moment too while he's doing that 
So the way it's staged, Bites is tallest in the scene. Uh, Merrick is sitting on the floor. Traves is crouched down next to him. And the little boy is standing next to Bites. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the way Hopkins or Traves is looking up at him and he's asking him what happened. At Merrick? Yeah. And he's, oh, no, it, it Bites. Oh, okay. And he's like, well, you know, he fell. And like very cur- And he looks over at the kid and the kid does side eye to his cane. And then it pans up to the guy and back to Traves. Hmm. And it's a delightful, like, the kid looks at him and looks him in the eye, like, looks Traves in the eye and then looks right down at the cane like, you know what happened, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and it's just all done with camera work, mm-hmm. which I think is wonderful. Just a beautiful piece of subtext mm-hmm. that wasn't in the script mm-hmm. and is delivered just by great direction and great camera work. Yeah. Um, so Traves brings, uh, brings Merrick back to the hospital and, um, we, this sort of is a big right turn in Merrick's life. All of a sudden he's now living in this hospital full time for all intents and purposes. Bites, I mean, Bites thinks that he's yeah, coming back to him. Not officially because that's kind of a big moment late in the film yeah, is uh, when he, the, he is officially living there. Sure. But this is when he starts sort of like right. getting acclimated. Um, he's tended, uh, Merrick is tended to by um, Mrs. Mother's Head is her name. She's the, the matron. Um the other nurses are all too frightened to take care of him. So we have probably 12 shots throughout this movie of somebody walking in and mm-hmm. seeing the elephant man and just screaming and leaving. Right. So, and, but yeah. that's, but that's, of course, like, and that's why I, I think it's important that he looks the way he does and right. not like Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool or whatever. Right. Like, I feel like that just happens all the, or it's, I mean, it's the, she's all that situation of like, oh God, this person is awful looking. And you're like, no, they're not. Yeah. I was watching a couple of years ago, uh, Penny Dreadful. Okay. And somebody plays Frankenstein. It's an actor who I recognize, but don't really know his name. And he just, that movie is just all people in dark rooms whispering monologues. I love it, obviously. Um, but <laughs> he is, just, like, every monologue he does, he's, like, crouched in a shadow with his, like, face half covered. He's like, I'm so hideous. Nobody can look at me. Mm-hmm. And then they show him in the light, and he's just, like, he kind of looks like he's in The Crow, but then has, like, a couple scars. So yeah, he's just, exactly. like, black hair, kind of pale skin, and then, like, four horizontal scars oh, across yeah, his face. you got a scar and a bad haircut. Yeah, Come exactly. On, You're greasy, take a shower, bud. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's just, there's so much, like, that's why I love the contrast of when you see that with everybody and then the first time Hopkins sees him and he walks into the room and the guy pulls the curtain or whatever and you just get this long, slow zoom in. On Hopkins. And then, like, it's, it's right at the point when it like crosses over from being a medium shot to a close up that, that the tear just drops and it's I, I it's not and it isn't even like a lot of times you can as you see actors who get their eyes to well up uh-huh. and then they blink and that's when it the yeah. tear falls yeah or they can do that slightly off camera or at the right time they get a little little flutter and you mm-hmm. start to see it. He never blinks. I mean, he might. He might. He blink blinks, but he's at not. Some, but it isn't triggered by a blink. And basically, his eyes are wide, mm-hmm. and it just starts falling. Yeah. And even after it falls, he doesn't close his eye. Like it's so good. It's just a peak very, performance, very and you know, 
keep an eye on this Anthony Hopkins guy. I think he's really going to make it one day and possibly be a two-time Academy Award winner. He's only won two Oscars? I think so. What did he win his first one for? Silence Lambs. What did he? That was supporting, right? Yeah. He just won for Father. And he just won for the Father. I think those are the only two. Hmm. I would guess Because, like, he's one of those people who... Tremendous actor. Makes weird choices. But, yeah. He does a lot of really bad movies. (laughs) You know? Like, if you look at his career, like... What... What is he... Like, I can't think of other, like, oh, well, he's really good in this. Um, let's see. Solace, The Two Popes, Misconduct, Collide, Noah, Fracture, Transformers, The Last Night. Yeah. Oh, Hitchcock, he made 360, never heard of, Wolfman, Red Wolfman, 2, Jesus. Go With Me, Thor, Thor The Dark World, yeah. Kidnapping Mr. Heineken. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Anthony Hopkins? The Human Stain. World's fastest Indian. Human stain is noteworthy, him and Kidman. Uh, Proof, which I think I remember seeing. All the King's Men. Thor Ragnarok. He did do that Titus Andronicus movie. Can we please watch that sometime? I watched it in college and it fucked my shit up and I really want to see it again. Um, He was in, I think we both overlooked his fine performance in Meet Joe Black. Oh, right, As right, the, right, right, the right. bus that kills Brad Pitt at the beginning. Almost. <laughs> Come on. It's, laugh at my joke. I don't remember a, a single thing about that movie. You don't remember except when for Brad that Pitt was, is killed uh-huh. right off the bat? I mean, I vaguely. I, ha- I saw that movie when I came out and thought it was awful. Oh, I don't yeah. know that I ever even finished it. I just know that it was obscenely long and really bad. And Claire Forlani is not a great actress. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, what, what it is overlooking, though, is his fine performance opposite Chris Rock in bad company. Oh, I skipped over that because the I'd never heard of it and it looked stupid. So that's sort of the Yeah. But like you know what I mean? He like did all the He's widely regarded as a phenomenal actor by anybody, but 90% of his catalog is garbage. Yeah. It's so bizarre to me. Uh he won best actor in yeah, he only won the two. He was also nominated for the two popes, which I don't think I've ever met anyone who saw two popes. <laughs> um, support, uh, excuse me, uh, nominated in Amistad, nom- oh, nominated for right. Nixon, and nominated for Remains of the Day. Okay, so yeah, so he did have some stuff at that stretch, but like he had a twenty-year stretch of just garbage. Yeah, I feel decisions. like he's like the. Um, that Liam Neeson kind of guy of like yeah yeah whatever you got I'll be but in everything but he didn't work that the difference is Liam Neeson made like six movies a year every year no these like the years of these movies he was in really? were all like everything I read was between 2005 and 2015 okay Hitchcock 360 The Wolfman Red 2 Gone With Me Thor these are all 2011 and newer yeah alright um anyway so um, so the hospital's governor is named Mr. Carr Gum. Wow, what a name. Um, and he doesn't want to house Merrick because the hospital doesn't accept, quote, incurable. So in other words, they're mm-hmm. there to cure sick people, not chronically ill people. Um, so to prove that Merrick... And realistically, they're not doing anything to treat him. No, he's just living there. Yeah, they're just giving him like a safe haven. Well, right, because... Yeah, absolutely. But he's he, not on medicine of any kind, like yeah, that they acknowledge anyway. He like, doesn't seem to have anything that can be treated. I mean, he had chronic bronchitis, but I don't oh, know if they right. had a treatment for that right. at that point. You know, 
Um, so Traves wants to prove to uh, to the governor, the hospital's governor, not state governor. Um, it's in the UK. There are no states. To prove that... Uh, so he wants to prove that Merrick can make progress and kind of justify that he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Traves is like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to talk. And he does it kind of like teaching like a parrot or a baby of just sure. like, just make this sound. La, 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 la. Okay, yeah. Now say la, 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 la. That's how he said. Yeah, and it was weird that what he was trying to teach him was la, 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 la. Well... Because that doesn't make him sound like he's that intelligent. Like, if he had tried to teach him real words, like, hello, my name is John Merrick, that would have been more interesting. But I, the fact that he went yeah, with the, any say this, <laughs> was weird. I thought that was an interesting choice. That they made. I mean, anybody can say, hello, my name is John Merrick. How many special people can say, <laughs> Um. So, anyway. um, So, Gom... Mr. Cargom, but they call him Cargom. Is his last name Cargom? His last name is Cargom. Cargom, I think. Like it's C A R R space capital G O M M. Cargom, 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 Cargom. Calgon, take me away. <clears throat> um. So the governor he realizes immediately what's happened, right? He says, "Oh, how long did he teach you how to do this? Like how yeah, long yeah. he's been working?" Um. But then Merrick begins to recite the twenty-third psalm, which. Do you know that one? Um, on the top of your head? I mean, I didn't. That, isn't that the one that's about, like, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. I shall not, etc. Yeah. <laughs> Did I get it right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down green pastures, etc. Um, but. Super religious we are. That's so Oh, yeah. totally religious. Biblical yeah. scholars, basically. Um. <laughs> But Merrick continues. So I think he was taught, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then Merrick continues to recite the psalm. And um, uh, Traves is like, well, I didn't teach him that. Do you teach him that? And the governor's like, I didn't teach him that. Do you teach him that? <laughs> what? <laughs> that was if it was in a Scooby-Doo, a cartoon. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I remember. Um <laughs> So Merrick finally begins talking in earnest. He tells the doctors that he knows how to read. He's memorized the 23rd Psalm because it's his favorite. Um, Cargram uh, permits him to stay, and Merrick spends his time practicing conversations with Traves and building a model of a cathedral that he can see from his window, which they, they show that cathedral a lot. It's a real thing that, that Joseph Merrick did. He built yeah, this beautiful... which also is... What's beautiful about it, too, is that it's like a... It's that's what I love about that being a true thing, is that it's also a beautiful metaphor for. Oh, totally. He's making it all up mm-hmm. because all he can see is this tip. This it's one, part of it. You yeah. can only see one little part, but but deep down below where you can't see, there's this beauty within, mm-hmm. and it's just such a like it's it's you'd almost criticize it for being too on the nose, right. but like oh that happened. <laughs> like, I I'm curious now. Um, we, we've talked about Lynch as sort of, I compared him to um, the father in Big Fish of like, he tells these stories about his life and I believe they're written in reality, but it's hard to say like mm-hmm. how close to reality it is. And so I'm really dying to know if Lynch knew the story of the elephant man, because it wasn't in popular context as much in the seventies, sure. like in obviously around Victorian era it was, and I had a resurgent in large part because of this in the play. Um, there was a book written about him mm-hmm. in, in 1971, but like it wasn't 
like now people generally at least recognize the elephant man i'm curious like the name of it Mm -hmm. i'm curious if the guy said it's a it's a thing about a a guy with a deformed you know a deformed body and and david was like that's it perfect Mm -hmm. or if he was like well it's about this man who is treated like this but he could actually talk but everybody assumed he could because because like i'm i'm dying to know if lynch knew all the subtext and was like yes i want to tell a story about a human who is trapped by their own outward appearance or was he like a man with a weird face that's great is my david lynch getting better or worse uh it comes and goes (laughs) (laughs) um that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) there's that's a that concept is sort of a prominent concept in lost highway Mm. really um not the myth versus the real story there there's a famous line or whatever because the, 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 one of the catalysts for that movie is this couple starts getting videotapes left on their doorstep of them sleeping or in like videotapes of people going through their house and then they leave them on their doorstep and that's kind of the catalyst that's very scary. for the movie. Um, yeah, there's super creepy Wait, shit is, in that Does movie. that have the scene that you made me watch before watching yeah, the whole that, movie when he's on the phone where and he's saying... Like, I'm, I'm yeah, at okay. home. Yeah. Okay, I'm actually really excited to watch that. That again. movie's incredible. Um... But it's there's a scene where the the cops are there, you know, like questioning the the couple about what's happening. This is Bill Pullman. He's like, "Do you have what? You know, do you have a video? Ca- do you have a video camera? Is this somebody else's camera, or was this used with your own equipment? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on there?" Um, and they say he says he doesn't have a video camera because, and I don't remember the exact quote, but something along the lines of. I don't like videotape because I like to remember things how I remember them, not necessarily how they happened. Or some there's an interesting line about like such a boomer sentiment too. Right, but like <laughs> but it's such a like that's why he doesn't like videotape or whatever is mm-hmm. because I like to remember my memories how I remember them. Sure. Which may not be exactly how it happened, but I don't care. I or remember you, might, you risk not remembering them at all. Right, exactly. And I, I just thought that was an interesting concept, but I'm wondering how closely tethered that is to this, that to that sentiment of he just wanted to tell this story. Mm. Whether you know how much of it is true right. is less consequential than right. yeah. Because I and the, the fact John that, Joseph thing is really going to confuse me for the rest of my and life. The, how that and the happens. fact that like we talked about the oh the four script story, he we saw it in two separate interviews. I saw you didn't see the first one I saw, but. I saw the one, and then we saw the one that's on the supplement stuff for the mm-hmm. the Blu-ray. It's almost a verbatim story that he's telling. Does that make you think it's more or less true? I don't know. To me, that makes it likely that it's untrue, or like less true, because it is an easier, it's the story he's decided, this is how he's going to package it. It's the same way like he tells his yeah. stories through movies of like, this is, maybe this is what happened, this is the shape of the story I mm-hmm. want to tell. And the story I want to tell is I was so drawn to this script I was so drawn to this concept that yeah. I didn't want to hear anything but then, else. But then what's, what's what's interesting is, like in the interview clip I saw, and we'll link to that so that people know what I'm talking about, I guess. Is but it online? It was, I just watched a YouTube thing on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the woman who was interviewing him said something about like, oh, I heard you were presented with this and, and Mel Brooks was like, oh, that's, he's so strange. I got to have David Lynch or something like that. Is that right? And he goes, no. And like basically like 
where 90% of the world would be like, no, see how I remember, I remember it a little differently than mm. that. Like, like he's just, is straight up telling you no. So like he's solidifying his stories. If they're not correct or he, or they are correct and he wants to make sure the correct information is getting out. I just either and like either one is believable. Either is one point. is believable. I have so much trouble seeing seeing David Lynch who lets the truth get in the way of a good story. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> or if but then that's the other thing too of like if there's a thing where like oh the truth is going to get in the way, I'll just make this part really fucking weird, <laughs> so I can still get my idea out. Yeah, and say oh well that's what that thing was meant to symbolize is mm-hmm. this thing which is truthful oh right. okay i guess if you play and like doing things in a weird way is mm-hmm. a a way around the truth sometimes right, right okay um so and so this is like just such a wonderful part of this movie i think and it's a little it's a little saccharine it's a little sappy but it's just very earnestly done of just anytime somebody's nice to to Merrick he's just so over the top yeah. grateful which I think is extraordinarily realistic at but one, to me it's just extremely point, sad like when he's first he's like crying and like that's he's the tear like first of all it's a reveal he's got his face cocked one way and he turns a little bit and you see it coming out of his other eye and it's how are you crying through those prosthetics and still get, it's it's wonderful yeah um, so, All of it. So Traves yeah. brings Merrick home to his to his own home um, to have tea with his wife, and this is when that sh- he introduces her to him. Yeah. And clearly, they've had the conversation of like, "Be chill, <laughs> sure." <laughs> Can he be fucking cool for a yeah. second? Um, and so she's obviously like taken aback, but very stoic about it. Mm-hmm. Isn't going to make a scene, mm-hmm. and that's when and she's, she's an actress, so she can. The wife is an actress. I mean, a performer, a theater star, right? No, the actress. Oh, 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 oh I'm conflating. The, the I'm wife conflating. and the actress are yeah, different people. Gotcha. I see. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he then brings the in that guy. Never mind. Right. Sorry. sorry so, sorry, sorry. um, so the wife is so kind to him, and he says, "Oh, my mother must be." Um, Merrick says, "Oh, my mother is probably so ashamed of me." His mother in real life died when he was. Nine or ten, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he never really knew his mother, but she, I think she would have known that he was had deformities. Um, and so he always thinks she was, he's a disappointment, which is so tragic. Um, but he hoped, he hoped she'd be proud to see him with his lovely friends. And just every, at some point, he calls somebody friend or something like that. Like, all right, see you later, friends. And it's just like choked up by this. He, the, there's a line in that scene where Hopkins mentions their kids and he says, where are they? And oh, they're oh, out with friends. And he says, friends? Like he kind of perks <laughs> up like, oh, that sounds like a, such a great concept. And it's, yeah, it's so. And this, okay, in my opinion, this, I think this story could have come across, and this isn't the correct term for what's going on here, but kind of white saviory. Of actually, I kept thinking of Pygmalion the whole time. The My Fair Lady story of the guy gets a woman, mm-hmm. Eliza Doolittle, off the street and says, I can make a lady out of her. Mm-hmm. It could so easily cross into, like, I bet I can make this crazy looking dude high society. Oh, pretty woman. <laughs> dumb idiot. You're thinking of pretty you woman. Big dumb idiot. How dare you? <laughs> I forgot those were the same story. <laughs> Sorry, that was so stupid. Um, 
like it could have easily veered off into like, oh, look what good people we are presenting this life sure. to this man. But it comes off as very earnest of instead of people trying to do good for somebody to like to do it publicly, to do it um, performatively. Sure, it's it seems well, to me there's there's a there's an incredible scene that hits that nail on the head. Right, and we'll get to that Wait, of the. The, the nurse lady right. or whatever talking to him and she's saying like these people are you're just as bad as right and well, okay. well I don't want to step out of that too quickly gotcha but I think there. that's the yeah I think everything he does you can tell he does things by because he's not trying to show him off to anybody no he's, he's trying to he's, introduce him to society but like before not all that society, before but. all that he's trying to do all this in private I'm trying to help this guy first mm-hmm. and then maybe he'll be ready to, to see society. The fact that like his superior is like, when can I see this man? And he's like, cool, give me a couple of days. Yeah. No, tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Like it's, he's not, if, if it were coming from a place of performative activism, mm-hmm. he would have shown him right away. He'd be wearing right a t-shirt away. that says free John Merrick and nothing exactly. else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, there'd be some fucking hashtag or some right. shit that like he shared a Facebook frame or whatever. Will like you make sure it says free John Merrick. <laughs> it's so crosses funny. out. Joseph is crossed out. Yes. So. Um <laughs> anyway, so um so it's this just really nice moment. Um and he begins to uh take guests in his room, which he clearly had never done before, including and we see a little uh pull pull scene of I don't know if it's called a pull scene. It's called a pull quote in writing. But a pull scene is what I'm going to call it. Of like, just this little bit of like, this woman reading about John Merrick. Oh, he's mm. gentle and kind and well-read and gentle. And, and gentle. kind and well-read. <laughs> um, and she's just intrigued and wants to meet him. Um, and see, and I, I think they do. I think David Lynch really wanted to play this whole thing as all of these people being earnest mm-hmm. about knowing him except for our villains. Sure. Because I I think this could have been written easily in a way. And the play goes a little bit deeper into their relationship. Who's um, there? Excuse me. Uh, so sorry, the, the, the actress. So this is um, Madge, Madge, whoop, this is Madge Kendall, who is this actress. Bancroft. That's Bancroft. And Bancroft. Yeah. Um, and she's just very like, oh, I have to meet this man because he's so gentle and well-read and kind and gentle and well-read and kind. Um, and... They could have written that and it could have been directed and acted as like, I want to see this shit. This is going to be wild. And I'm going to tell all my friends. Yeah. yeah. But it was very much like, I have to know this person. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's probably looking at history in a rose-colored lens in a lot of ways. But but it's nice. But they do a good job in her performance. You can see that she's, she's not just blind to it to what he looks like. Mm-hmm. She she's looking away at times. She's trying not to stare. She's trying not to stare, but I I don't I think her look away is it's I have to work myself up to this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I he is still jarringly deformed mm-hmm. and it's hard to see. Mm-hmm. And why it's hard to see could be it's you know your own prejudices mm-hmm. it could be also just that like it's just biology in a lot of ways but yeah and and it's i mean it, it could also just like i see it and to some extent it's you pity them mm-hmm. and then that's not good either right. you know what i mean like it comes from a place of like oh, i feel bad that he had such a horrible life and had to bl-. 
But that's not helpful for anybody no. either. Of course. You know, like and nobody really wants to be pitied. It's like, it's it's a thing I hear all the time, or I have heard is um, if you misspeak and use a wrong pronoun for someone who's trans, mm-hmm. don't apologize for it. Just correct it. Just say thank you or okay, mm-hmm. and I'll work. Like I saw a tweet from somebody I don't know who it was, but posted about. She's like. I finally got the courage to correct somebody who used one of my coworkers who used the wrong pronoun. And she said, actually I go by she or they or whatever it was. And the man's reaction was, okay, pulled out his phone and changed it in his phone. Oh, that's so like immediately was like, I don't want to make that mistake again. And it wasn't, I'm sorry I did this. Mm-hmm. I'm oh my God, oh my cause then it just makes that person feel like they're putting you out mm-hmm. by being who they are and saying I'm a she or a he or a they or mm-hmm. whatever. They shouldn't feel guilty for that. Mm-hmm. Just say okay. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's, yeah, I, I just, I feel like it's the same kind of concept here in that I'm not good. I might get things wrong. But I'm going to learn from them and I'm going to move forward. It isn't about apologizing. Nobody's asking you not to make mistakes. Right. Exactly. Don't be an asshole about exactly. it. Exactly. And, and then do don't, yeah, or time. don't try and put it back on, deflect it back on them or whatever. I forget how much of a, a little bubble I can be in because I was on Facebook this week and Lifehacker, which is like the Gawker, uh, formerly Gawker, like sure. whatever. Um, they did a post about how uh, Instagram just started adding a, a spot for you to put your pronouns. Yeah. Just like in a like drop down menu. Like, so it's not part of your name. It's just like Jessica, you know, my handle mm-hmm. and then parentheses, she, her. And of course people were like, oh, wo- so woke your brook. And like so many people were complaining about it. And I was shocked by that because I thought yeah. we'd all just decided like pronouns are chill. Yeah, but apparently, apparently not. Did I tell you I'm in Facebook jail? I mean, you again? You, oh, again? Uh huh. For three days this time, oh. I threatened to murder somebody. Sort of. Okay. Okay. That, my, I mean, the first time was dumb. That if you, no, it okay. was the 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 bit was a friend of mine had sex with a guy with a condom. He tried to have sex with her again, not using a condom, and she kicked him out, and she's so mad, and then it's like, did I overreact or whatever? And so I said, I'll murder him for you, and apparently you're not allowed to murder yeah, nameless strangers. That, that was... That one's on you. Yeah, that was... That. <laughs> I... Facebook absolutely 100% did the right thing there. Because there's no way to police whether that's sarcastic or that's absolutely genuine. To be fair, I didn't know his name. But that's the point. Like, I know. I know. Yeah. Michael, I understand. I'm, just, I'm yeah. not... Didn't fight it. It's fine. It's just one of those things. Oh, boy. Um. So, um, so anyway, uh, Madge Kendall, this actress, Anne, Anne Bancroft, um, she comes in and um, starts talking to him and gives him a book of Shakespeare. And then he opens to a scene... And they recite it together. Did you recognize? I'm it, not trying to put you on the spot, but did you recognize the? I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet. It is Romeo and Juliet. So. They also she calls him Romeo in that scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a couple of times you be like, "Did you notice this?" And I was like, "Yeah, they say it flat out." It's just really important for me to be smart. Um, and the only thing I bring to this show is lit bullshit. <laughs> but it's the it's yeah. the scene for the of the first time uh, Romeo and Juliet meet. 
You may remember it when there's a big fish tank <laughs> in Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. She's wearing big angel wings. <laughs> you know, how Shakespeare imagined it. <laughs> fish tanks, sorry. Fish tanks were huge in the 15th century. You have no idea. Um, anyway, and it's it's actually one of my favorite passages. I love the lips do what, fuck, lips do what pilgrim's hands do. They pray, which is... Mm-hmm. Smooching. I just love it. I love Shakespeare. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that's that. America's obviously deeply in love with Anne Bancroft, as as are we all. Um, <laughs> so America is, is he's sort of, and this describes him, I think, well as an object of curiosity in high in high society. So he's sort of being accepted, but he's definitely still a they, novelty. Yeah, they like they're. I wouldn't he, say accepted, but he's... He's being not written about out. in the papers a lot. Right. Yeah. But he's not, like, being run out of places anymore. But which he's not is, going to places. Oh, people are coming to him. I was thinking of the time he went to the play. Okay. Yeah, that's the last thing he does, which is why he decides... We'll, we'll definitely talk about that for sure. Um, and so Mrs. Mother's Head, who is the uh, the head nurse or the head of whatever, um, she kind of rounds on Traves and says... Are you doing the same thing that that I guy was doing? I love this scene. I love this scene. And it is another... Gr- I, I agree that I love the scene because it is somebody saying, hey, do you think this? And instead of saying, like, no, fuck you, I'd never do that. It's like, oh, no. Like, I should think about what I'm doing and the and, consequences and that's, of my... And that's the best thing about it is she delivers it in such a strong way. Mm-hmm. Also, this is Victorian era mm-hmm. or 1980, depending on... Either era is long enough ago where it's like, this is a strong woman telling the man in charge mm-hmm. what you're doing just might be pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. And his reaction to it is, oh shit, you might be right. I hadn't thought about that. And that is just wonderful. Yeah, I, yes, I completely agree. And and I like that, I like the subtlety of this movie um, because... She's not, it's not the same thing. And, mm-hmm. but she is just like, hey, don't lose sight of like what's going on here. Like, you've probably gotten wrapped up in your bullshit. Right. And you're, you're aiming for it. So I, I guess she is not accusing him of being cruel for cruel's sake or right. cruel right. solely for profit the way Bite was or mm-hmm. Bites or whatever his name was. But he might have strayed off his path mm-hmm. of medical necessity or mm-hmm. whatever and calls him on it and he accepts that criticism. And what's even better about that, like that's that's the great part of it in the script. And I guess it's a script too, but what's even better about that is as a film, doesn't try to answer that. Yeah. I the, the very next scene, he's at home with his wife and he's still. contemplating it and it's hitting him and his eyes are welled up and, mm-hmm. he's, and it, the scene ends with... Am I a good man mm-hmm. or a bad man? Black. Because there's no... Because there isn't an answer to that. Not, yeah. And that's that's the beauty of it. And and I think by the sheer fact that you're asking that question, you're, the, you're leaning towards the good side. Right. Right. And, you know, like, it might not be 100%. You know, it's not polar. Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum to some to some extent. But you're, by the sheer fact that you're asking that question, I right. think you're leaning towards the good. Right. There's a quote I'm trying to pull up. I think it's biblical, but I don't know. Um, but about like, I'll, I'll look it up, but it's something to the effect of like, Lord, I don't ask you to tell me that I'm a good man, but that I'm trying or something like that. Like, I I think I brought that. I don't know if I brought that up on here or not. 
and I don't think this is the quote you're talking about. Okay. Uh, but I watched the Beastie Boys doc thing that they come out. Oh, the biblical Beastie uh-huh. Boys? The, yeah. Uh, I think it's... Uh, I think hey, it's guys, Bra- Brass Monkey 2418, I think. Don't Google um, uh, Prayer for a Good Man because it's a bummer. Oh, Jesus. Um, no, but the, in, the, in the Beastie Boys doc, they... They talk about an interview clip with um, um, Adam, with Ad-Rock. Or, or no. Was it Adam? Anyway, they talk about an interview clip and maybe it was MCA. It was MCA. Um, where it was years after like girls came out and fight for your right and all this shit that, this, you know, the song girls, mm-hmm. which is sexist as fucked in it. Uh-huh. They've sh- struck it from their catalog like... They've been super litigious when people try to use it in, in things, which is awesome. Like, they are absolutely ashamed of that song. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, somebody asked him, because he wrote a line in another song. I think it was in Sure Shot, and I don't remember the exact line. But he says something about, like, stop treating women horribly and whatever, some thing about that. And an interview asked him about that and said, like, how are we supposed to take you seriously on this? Is coming from the guy who wrote girls and mm-hmm. fight for your right and right. shit like that. And he's like, you know what? I'd rather be a hypocrite now than the same person for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I so just good. like, boom, just the hammer. Like what a, that's, that is life. That is what I, this woke culture and cancel culture and all that shit is all that sentence. Fine. I'd rather be a hypocrite than the same person. Like, learn, live, learn, get better. Mm -hmm. No one's one's reaching peak perfect. Like, just get better and do what you can every day to be a better person. Right. And that's, and if you've made mistakes in the past, acknowledge that you've made mistakes, but you're trying to be better. And it's, it's just, I don't know. I just, I, that's a, a line that stuck with me. I don't know what you're, are you... I'm still looking for that quote because I think it's from like the West Wing or something like that. I'm, I'm just hearing like the Sorkinisms in my head. So I was trying to look it up and Aaron Sorkin has some quotes that are really up his own ass. No. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? Oh boy. Okay. Um. So uh, then we are, I think we've seen this guy before, but there's a night porter in the hospital. His name's Jim, which I didn't know until now. Um, yeah, he came in and was like harassing him. Yeah, on. he's kind of been he's he, he's introduced the quote unquote villain yeah. villain like he's the only not the only he's one of the people who means harm to Merrick and not he he is willing to exploit Merrick for absolutely, his own ends absolutely and 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 more so than the the guy who his previous owner <laughs> I don't like saying that but yeah yeah you, the bites guy yeah um all right so. So, so yeah, so Jim's selling tickets. People come into his room at night and poor John Merrick or Joseph Merrick. Um, so the issue of his residence is challenged at a hospital council meeting, but he's guaranteed per- uh, permanent residency by command of the hospital's royal patron, Queen Victoria, who sends word uh-huh. with her daughter-in-law, Alexandra. However, Merrick is soon kidnapped by bites during one of... Um, Jim's little show and tell. So it's a really upsetting scene where they're just like passing him around 
these drunk people who are like pouring booze down his throat. Yeah, it's it's, it's this, upsetting. Honestly, th- the most frightening thing in this whole movie is when the people outside surround the window and there's the guy there with two women and turns and he just starts like full open mouth all over this woman, like tongue all the way down. Like it's terrifying. Yeah. And then, yeah. And it's, they're just like pushing him around and yeah, pouring liquor or whatever on him and doing that thing that they do in like, plays in some movies that they're standing in a circle and they're just passing a person back and forth and the person has to do like a a 360 turn from person to person (laughs) it's just every play i've ever seen they do that um anyway um so he's been kidnapped he's gone well that and that's afterward like the the thing with the night porter guy right and them harassing him then they leave the guy even gives him, like, flicks him a coin at the end, and he's like, thanks for being a good oh, sport or whatever. Right. You're making me a fortune. And flicks him a little something. So then... And b- then leaves. And then... Bites comes in. Bites, yeah. He kidnaps Merrick, um, and he leaves England. They come in the next morning. He's gone. Right. Um, and they go to France. And so he is using him again as a, as a circus attraction. Um, a witness reports to Traves, who convinced Jim about what he does, and then Jim gets fired. Jim is our our porter guy, or night porter. So now we have Merrick is back where he started, but he's in, I think, Belgium? Belgium now. Um, so he's once again standing on the stage, oh, look at the horrible bola. Um, he's physically very weak. Um, Bites has him stand up on a... A bucket, a bucket of some guess, kind. Or a stool which or I didn't know. I was just reading today. Merrick was only like five one, five two. Mm. He was, and, and I mean, which makes sense if his spine was yeah. maladjusted. That's yeah. where a lot of the height cut. And like his feet, his left femur was full of tumor. Anyway, um, so he's standing on this and just full, full on collapses onto the floor. Um, and people aren't reacting either. It, oh, no. Like even before he collapses, the people are like. Why? Why are we watching this? Like, which is weird because, like, if you're going to a show like that, that isn't that the kind of thing you're expecting? Well, but it's like one thing—a guy with tattoos and yeah, it's watching a, a strong man or watching, you know, whatever other circus freaks, I guess. Beard, lady, but yeah, tattooed people. Twins. Yeah, like some of it is interesting and intriguing, and then this is. Off-putting. He's just there to be laughed at. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like. I feel like the bearded lady sings and like sure, the, the like, conjoined twins do a juggling act together. Like they have a shtick. Yeah, in circuses. There's, there's a performance of some kind, and his is just he stands there and looks sad. Yeah, which I mean, I don't. I do think I know did happen. Oh, absolutely. But it's surprising that Lynch or whomever made the decision to make this audience disengaged in it. Uh, yeah, because it makes you uncomfortable. But all it over also, again. I'm wondering if it's like because this is being put out in the papers, people are getting to know it. It's not as foreign to them, mm. you know. Like the the same way, like you know, Black Lives Matter is becoming like people who didn't realize there was a problem because right. they lived in a bubble are starting to know about it because right. it's being put out there. Right. Are these people starting to know about this man in this life or is it just that this this know. particular country is more advanced or, you know, yeah. like socially? Yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh 
So he collapses on stage, bites, yells at him for a little bit, and then locks and he's him in like it. jabbing with oh, a pole in there. Then so they're yelling at the the guy yeah. bites. Like they're they're not happy with that. Um. And so bites just locks him in a cage. Ooh, that leaves him to die. It's terrifying. He th- he like crams him into a tiny cage with the monkeys mm-hmm. and they're screaming mm-hmm. oh it's it's so jarring it's intense it's so jarring yeah um merrick es- escapes from bites um he's kind of helped by a couple of the other freaks yeah, the, there's a little person who yeah, helps him he comes up there's a giant um i guess for lack of a better yeah. word just a really tall man <laughs> um but they yeah they help him escape but like at what cost to them or to him? Because they get him out. They get him out of the cage. They uh-huh. get him out, out of the hands of this guy. But then put him on a boat where he's just assaulted by people. Right. Yeah, this guy. You know what I mean? Like, he can't... You You have to give him... You You can't just say, you're free. Go, right. go nuts. This man cannot yeah, hide you, in plain sight. Exactly. And it's, you know, another problem with society. And that's mm-hmm. why we have... You know, societal laws that help protect people and stuff like that. Like, I mean, this is how you get. That's why you know the the homeless population is like ninety percent mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Like, it's because of Reagan shutting down all the mental hospitals. Exactly, and like, oh, we did a good thing. They're not like, yeah, it's. Um, so he gets back to London, uh, and then he's in uh, Liverpool Street Station. Um, he's unmasked and cornered by an angry mob. Um, he by kids. Oh, the kids the, are harassing him. Yeah, he accidentally knocks down a girl. Yeah. This mob chases him, um, and he kind of gets cornered. And he says the quote that I don't want to brag, but nailed last <laughs> last episode. Yep. Yep. He said, "I am." Oh, not- you said that last week. I don't remember you saying it last week. <laughs> I said, "I am not a." Mo-. Well, okay, this is what happened. I said, "I'm a. I am not a monster. I am a man." And you said, "Good Anthony Hopkins quote," and we were both wrong. Did I? Yes, really? you absolutely did. <laughs> oh wow! But what he really says is, "I'm not an elephant. I am not an animal. I am a human being. I am a man." And I'll drop. Does he say I'm a man at the end too? I don't remember. I thought this. I don't remember hearing it. I, yeah, I thought it, it ended on. with "I'm a human being." Um, well, I mean, it's on Wikipedia, so I don't know what you want me to do about yeah. it. Go like, in and I remember, change it I remember kind of liking that about it is that I am a human being is yeah I, the pe- I, is the ultimate. I'll not the- drop it in here. Or I'm wondering. I mean, it could very well it could be have been too, drowned out. It, it could have could have been cut out in in a particular release or something mm-hmm. like. Um. So anyway, the policemen return uh, Merrick to the hospital. Um, he's reunited with Traves. Um, he recovers slightly, but is um, but is actively dying. They say this says he's Un- dying. Unrelated. Right. I mean, it doesn't help to be beaten on a regular basis right but but he this this he's has just chronic obstructive man. pulmonary disease which is oh it's the bronchial issue yeah um 
So Traves and Mother's Head take Merrick to see one of Mrs. Kendall's shows at the theater um, where she dedicates the performance to him and everybody claps for him and he's so happy There's... and it's a nightmare show with belly dancers with horse heads. That's what we, I wonder, I, I turned to Jess, I turned to you, I remember while watching this and being like, is this what Victorian theater was like or is this just what David Lynch thinks Victorian theater is like? I And I don't know. Don't know And either. I'm fine with either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It matters little to me. But there's some some gorgeous shots in this scene there's one of profile of Anne, Bran- Anne Bancroft where she's frame right behind her is the crowd and she's looking up at the, the booth and she's clapping and mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful shot and then there's this is the, when they're all applauding for Merrick yeah and then there's the scene where the shot of him behind his head and the cutting across the middle of the, the screen is the balcony and it's the balcony and the ground floor and they're all clapping for him and it's Everything's info. Oh, it's gorgeous, gorgeous. Um. So yeah, this is definitely kind of the emotional climax of the film. And, yeah, and, and he and, and he's excited to be there and had no expectation that this was going to happen, and mm-hmm. like is genuinely mm-hmm. touched, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a man who has been physically, emotionally, verbally abused his entire life for what he looks yeah, like and here's and, an entire crowd of people and high society people not yeah, yeah not the masses not yeah. the white fly um so it's just a wonderful great 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 film moment yeah um back at the hospital Merrick and Traves are back in his in Merrick's room um Merrick is thanking Traves profusely thank you for this I loved it um he traipses out we'll have to go back and he's just and he reacts like the way Merrick reacts to that is great he says well we'll definitely and he's like yeah I'd mm-hmm. very much like that so but at this point he so knows. you are sure that he killed himself you seem very sure that he oh killed yeah himself. absolutely okay well because he says they say they set that up freak in, in the beginning a few times of he can't sleep laying down right because he'll die Right, but and so the fact that he makes an effort to take all the pillows off the bed and lay down and sleep like a normal person, mm-hmm. and he says it's finished. Looking at his the, cr- the model, right? He says it's finished. Takes all the pillows off the bed and lays down to sleep because for the first like to me, it's he he's making that decision when he's standing there being applauded mm. in the theater, and he's saying, "This is it." For the first time, like, because he got to that point earlier, almost, of like, I'm accepted. People mm-hmm. like me for who I am. I'm inter- engaged in interacting with these people, and they're not seeing a monster, and mm-hmm. that's beautiful. And then he gets attacked, and then he gets kidnapped, and realizes, oh, I can backslide easily. Mm-hmm. None of this is permanent. Right. And so when he gets to this point of, this is the best I've ever felt, and everybody is applauding me and I'm loved and I'm appreciated. I'm going to have one last night's sleep mm-hmm. like a normal person, like like the normal person I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go out on my own turn. Like it's very much Laura Palmer choosing to sure. die. It's I'm going out and I'm going out on my own terms mm-hmm. at the highest point in my life mm-hmm. because I may never get here again and I who knows what's going to happen when this guy comes and finds me yet again. 
what kind of quality of life do I have? I'm constantly sick. Mm -hmm. This is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so we, uh, as he lays down, we see him. I think we see him stop breathing. It's hard to tell, but I'm fine with that. Um, He's, and then we see the camera look over at the picture of the actress, picture of his mother, who they've talked about a lot, how beautiful she was. Mm -hmm. Um, and she is... It goes uh, all the way to the model, too, and kind of pans up and ends on the cross. Right. Um, and then she is... Uh, she quotes, Nothing Will Die, which is a uh, Lord Tennyson quote, uh, poem. That oh, I'm is not, that what that is? Okay. Yeah. I'm not... So, I, I know Lord Tennyson. I just don't know his work that well. This isn't... Anyway. Um, and that's how the, the, the movie ends. And, and uh, just... Again, flo- to, head floating in space. Obviously. Um, but don't worry, Dune starts with a head floating in space. So we're uh, right back in um, on the next one. Yeah, and that is how the, the real Joseph Merrick died. He was just discovered in his bed, um, kind of laying across it. There's no way to know in real life if if it was suicide versus... Or like right. what I've heard posited is he wanted to try it to see if he could. Like... You know, because in Victorian yeah. in Victorian medical era, it's not as if everything's sure. black and white. It's like, well, they've told me this, but they also told me I couldn't talk, and they also told me... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think a lot of it they didn't know mm-hmm. and the, for the real-life story, and this is the closest thing you can get to a happy ending with this tragic-at-every-turn story. Yeah, David you Lynch know? really has a, uh, it's, a it's a handle on the bittersweet endings. Yeah, I mean, um, the, it's the duality of like mm-hmm. you have to have the good or the bad to, appre- to appreciate mm-hmm. the good, and sometimes bad things are the best thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, but yeah, this is a, a prime example of the duality of mm-hmm. bittersweet. And do you did they say at all in the movie how old? Um, Merrick was? They, depending on how long this journey takes mm-hmm. throughout the film, but they say that he was 21 so in he, the scene where they, the, the, the scene that looks like it's from Young Frankenstein. Right, right. Um, um, I, I, I almost wonder if Mel Brooks just kept that set and just and used it for Young Frankenstein a couple years later. I was going to say, what was Young, Young Frankenstein? 83? I don't recall. Anyway. Something like um, that. It was, but, no, it was, Probably 81 or 82, because maybe 83. Because Spaceballs is, what, 87? 80... I'm looking it up right now. Um... I mean, it, it was in London. It could have been in... I, maybe it wasn't. Maybe this scene wasn't. I mean, wasn't. all but academic they f- centers look kind of alike. Right. Oh, yeah. But but also... Oh, that, 1974. Okay. Young Frankenstein. Um, oh, really? Is that early? Mm-hmm. Wow. But that that whole scene was done so well with the the curtain and like the tease reveals of like you start to see the curtain open and then you drop behind the curtain to right. see the silhouette right. and then you see the curtain close right. but you like all of that is I just loved that perfection. Scene. It was so cool. Um, but the the real Joseph Merrick died um, at uh, twenty seven. Okay, he was a very young man when he died, which is yeah. I, you, but honestly, living that long in with that kind of deformity in the Victorian era, with his the kind of life he had to de- uh, deal with, it's and yeah. He, he got the made it to rock star status of dying at twenty seven, right? Holy shit! I 
didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I mean, yeah, but it's. I have no. That's. I don't know how long this movie is. Like it's about two hours. Womp womp. Um. Oh, I mean, like, the, how long this movie is sorry. taking? Like, is this over the course of a couple of months? That wasn't is a bit. this I the course of like three years? Yeah. That's never clear. No. Um. So the. I mean, it, like. It has to be long enough where the board is going to be like, this guy's been here way too fucking long. We got to get rid of him. Right. And, but, you know, the fact that he yeah. goes around Europe for a little bit. Right. Like, exactly. It, it doesn't do a great job of showing time passing, but right. I don't think it's necessarily important it, to the story. You're right. It's not. But I'm just curious. So, like, if the idea was that this took six years. Mm-hmm. Could have. Could have. Yeah. So that's that. Um, yeah. I mean, but this isn't excellent movie i really enjoyed it this is the second time we've both seen it yeah this was the last david lynch movie you saw because you've seen at least yeah yeah. um um yeah i i don't know why i'd never seen it i think it was just it was hard to come by for a long time Mm. i ended up buying a german issue that's right elephant munch (laughs) until the criterion came out and Mm. i got that um but yeah, I just I wanted to see it because of that. But it's it's very very good. It's a it's not a movie to watch frequently. Mm-mm. I don't think. I mean, but in it's terms so of, well made. In terms of so well made David Lynch movies, it has intense rewatchability. I would say it's it doesn't make me want to like crawl out of my skin, and it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable for the rest of the day. So like, I just it's it's just. I, f- I just find it really, really heavy. I mean, it definitely Like, it's it's not rewatchable in the way that... Oh, know, I'm not room. rewatching this for fun. Yeah, that's... It's, you know, it's not... I have to... Yeah, I, you gotta have some time in between because it's a it's a heavy watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very, very good. It's very good. It and very well made. It. And, like, I, I mean, one of the only two linear stories from david lynch Mm -hmm. you know this in in straight story is aptly titled um but those are pretty straightforward everything else is i mean blue velvet is kind of linear but still a little insane so like Mm -hmm. not i don't know it's just it's yeah it's it's rewatchable in that it's a just a beautifully crafted movie Mm -hmm. the the images are are wonderful the sound design is incredible it's very very good Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i would absolutely recommend watching it it's it's quite good um so this is let's see today's the sixth may 16th as we record it it's gonna be released on the 27th i'm going to be out of town next weekend um so the the next episode, as you're listening to this, Dune. is Dune, which will drop on June 10th. So is that going to be... Bo- when does the new Dune come out? I don't is know. Is that ever released? But day? the 1984 Dune, the David Lynch Dune, the relevant Dune, um, is available streaming on HBO oh, platforms nice for free and DirecTV for free and then a bunch of places, your regular places for four bucks or whatever. So... I hear it's a hot mess. I'm honestly. Do, do, where's re- where's is uh, Elephant Man streaming anywhere? Um, I read it last week. Oh, okay. Um, and I feel like there's a bunch of Lynch stuff on HBO Max, so it might be on there. I'll look again. 
I mean, if they're here, they've already watched it or aren't Maybe. watching it. Oh. Anyway. Tell people to do. But yeah, Dune. Yeah, I've never seen Dune. I'm really not looking yeah, forward to I, it. I'm, I don't like it. So Here's the thing, though. We don't have to yeah, watch it. Yeah, we do. It. Yeah, we do. I I mean, it'll be a how did this get made. Like, it's honestly, it's there's things. Is it that, good, bad? I think so. Okay. I think I think it could be, it, it depending on the approach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect. I know people love it. I know, but I know a lot of the people who love it are huge fans of the novel. I've never read it. Don't plan to. Yeah. Uh, Dune, that hard sci-fi, it's not my jam in general, yeah. so I've never read the book. I'm interested in seeing the Denny Villeneuve movie that's coming out in October. Um, but it just, but, it, but we get, I mean, <laughs> McLaughlin's back. We get uh, Everett McGill. We get sting isn't it sure like, we've been waiting for a sting like there's a there's a bunch of people in it and there's some very cool very lynch things and then there's just things where it's just insane and there's bad cg and it's just a wild hot mess and i'm yeah lynch hates it so it's okay we're allowed to not like it right um yeah okay but some people love it, and more power to you. Good yep. for you. All right, then we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Bloomke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Forker Creative. You can follow them at Forker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.